episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 35. This week, I finally sat down with Rob Beach. We've chatted about Rob's truck a few times in a couple of our podcasts, and it was good to finally have a chat to him about this beautiful truck that's come out of the Big L's chop shop. So Rob's got a 59 Chevy Apache uh, it's a short bed now, it's been shortened, it was originally a long bed, but uh, great story, originally his dad's truck, and uh, you'll hear all about it in this com- upcoming episode. So uh, yeah, sit down, enjoy this one, um, really good to, to get the story on this truck, I, you know, I've said a few times, I think it's one of the nicer trucks getting around, that doesn't necessarily mean it's got every single trickiest bit of gear on it, but I, you know, visually pleasing to the eye, it just sits really nicely, um, you know, I, I, really, I really dig it. And I hope you do too. So enjoy this episode. Uh, still still no joy for us down here in Victoria as far as car shows. Just having a bit of a look. I think the 1st of March was the last time I was able to hold our local cars and coffee here. So it's been about eight months. Getting a bit long in the tooth, but uh, hopefully we're getting closer and closer. And for everyone else in the country and around the world that's in a better situation, uh, enjoy it because it's very frustrating, I can tell you that. Anyway, enjoy this episode and uh, hopefully we'll bring you another great guest next week. Rob, thanks for joining us on the podcast, mate. You, you've been on my list for quite a while. Uh, been watching your build, uh, Big L's Chop Shop, and you know, every time a photo came up, it was just an anticipation of, of how it was going to turn out. So, really happy to finally get you on the podcast, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Happy to always happy to talk about my truck. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we delve too deeply into this truck, um, why, don't, why don't we go back to when you were a young young fella and. Uh, what what were the first things that sort of caught your eye? What were your early influences with automotive stuff? Well, I think my dad was always a mad car guy. You know, um, growing up, I had FJ Utes, Corvettes. He had an old 1925 Chev. He was kind of um, a bit of a car nut. Never really finished any of them, but um, was always kind of fiddling with, with cars all the time. And then we used to go to car shows together, swap meets together, that sort of stuff. So I was always... Uh, always a bit of a car nut and then um, sort of around the time I was like 11 or 12 or whatever he left his office job and opened a motor wrecking business so I used to spend all my school holidays you know fiddling with cars and pulling cars apart and that sort of stuff and you know through to when I was about 16 where I got HQ 350 Statesman so I kind of had it in my blood from from pretty young yeah had had a bit of a pause through kids and houses and all of that sort of stuff where I didn't didn't fiddle with cars very much but um yeah I've come come back around to it in later life yeah so so you what sort of wrecking yard was it just a general wrecking yard yeah he did um you know Holden Ford Valley and stuff mostly so um I think I mentioned just before we started this my dad was kind of a GM guy but he was uh 
you know, I used to make, make jokes about if ever I bought a Ford, I wouldn't be allowed to park it in the driveway and stuff like that. And funnily enough, in later years, he owned Fords as well. So, uh, you know, I think that was that was just a bit of a joke. But, yeah, mostly older stuff. Uh, yeah, sold a lot of stuff to, um, you know, mechanics, panel beaters, that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So so the, the first car you, you owned yourself and, and drove was a, or was it a Kingswood? I had a HQ 350 Statesman. I had it since I was about 16, and so I, it was like my pride and joy. I used to sit there and, uh, you know, clean things and polish things while I was watching TV and stuff. And then um, a little bit like my truck, was a bit scared to drive it. So I had an old uh, HG Belmont that I used to um, drive around as well when I didn't really want to leave the Statesman anywhere. So. <laughs> and, and were you allowed to just uh, swing down into the wreckers and switch some rims out or, you know, upgrade things you wanted was there a bit yeah, of a on that? I got most of what I wanted out of it you know I think um yeah I think it was a pretty good car I, I like I said I spent a couple of years building it I I had it for 10 months I got pulled over by the police about 15 times and then it got stolen so that was kind of a bit okay. of a uh, <laughs> yeah it's uh it's my first intro into owning a good car <laughs> no that's, that's not a good result no uh, so so the truck that you've got now that's since you sort of you know got married and had kids that sort of stuff that that's the first car that's not just a general commuter that you've had uh yeah it is yeah i think most of the the cars like the statesman was my everyday car and um yeah certainly other cars i i um i got the truck about 2000 and late 2012 when my father passed away i also kept two of his other cars as well so at the time he passed away he had 13 cars um <laughs> and so I kept three of them initially. Um, one was a 65 Impala convertible, which I had until earlier this year, actually. I kept it, basically just wasn't driving it enough. And especially now that my truck's finished, you know, I was probably going to drive it even less. And then I also had a 66 Pontiac Bonneville convertible, uh, which I never really finished and actually sold to fund part of my truck. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a common story, isn't it? Like you, I guess that's the big thing. A lot of us aren't very good at doing is like going from having four or five projects to just saying, "All right, I'm going to finish one of them," and that might mean selling off a few of the other ones. Yeah, and I think um, I think because my build took a while, you know, it took sort of five five-ish years or whatever. My life changed a fair bit during that time. I, uh, you know, got divorced, moved overseas you know moved back to australia sort of thing and so i went through all these kind of cycles and uh the truck was supposed to be pretty simple when i started it and uh you know in in the end i honestly got a little bit out of hand but i'm glad it did <laughs> um yeah and you know sort of uh yeah i ended up just sort of doing the fact that it took five years was a you know it was part of why you know, I didn't spend a whole lot of money at once. I just spent a little bit and then a little bit and then a little bit and then, you know, never really added up how much I was spending. I've got a rough idea, but <laughs> probably don't want to know. You don't, you don't <laughs> want to know, no. Yeah, when, when we were chatting to Leon from uh, Big L's Truck Shop, obviously he uh, he did the majority of the building of your truck. Um, yeah. yeah, he sort of mentioned that when it first came in, it was going to be matte black with red rims and just a sort of a, you know, I guess your standard hot rod look and, and things progress from there. So I'm, I'm glad that they did. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I've done um, a little bit of research on um, how I wanted to look. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty common look, the, you know, the flat black, 
I was torn on whether I was going to do a white roof or not, but um, you know that kind of thing. I'd even bought the red red rims and the white wall tires and all of that sort of stuff. And I think over time, I guess there was two factors. One is it's, I just thought it was a bit too common. I thought too many too many trucks were look, looking like that. And then the other thing is that the body started to get you know we'd repair a little bit and there was rust, and so we'd work on that. And then Leon would say, "Well, do you want me to?" fix this up as well and so it'll get better and better and better and then a couple of people said to me you know like a lot of the reason people do flat black is to hide <clears throat> hide the floors and so they yep. kind of you know i think someone said to me I don't, I don't think it was leon but somebody said to me one day you know it would be an injustice to do that in flat black because the body's coming up so nice now and uh and then it took me a really really long time to choose the color you know for um i, I um I work in automotive design. I kind of, you know, do this sort of stuff every day, but um, you just couldn't decide on what color to, to. And then, you know, the other one was the wheels as well. The wheels were really hard to decide on. Yeah, I think I found Leon. Funny story how I found Leon actually is a guy, guy I used to work with. I was trying to find somebody to build it. Guy I used to work with recommended somebody else. So I think I followed him on Facebook and turned out he'd moved up to up to New South Wales, but I happened to see him uh, connecting with Leon one day and I thought, okay, I'll try to find Big Al's and, you know, didn't know, had a bit of trouble finding him actually. And funnily enough, I had the truck down at um, my holiday house in Ocean Grove. And when I found out where Leon was, he was like five minutes away from where from where the truck was. So, um, you know, so it kind of went from there and, uh, yeah, I was very, very lucky to find Leon. He's done an exceptional job of it become like a friend of mine now and uh you know couldn't be happier with the job he's done on it really yeah no it's coming out beautiful so mm. we're talking about paint so it's the it's a bmw color it's atlantis blue yeah so i was yeah. actually living in uh san francisco and i was like i said it took me uh maybe a year and a half to two years where i went through all these different colors and a lot of a lot of work on the computer doing you know like photoshop and 3d rendering sort of stuff of trying to figure out what color and what wheels and all that sort of stuff and I was sitting in heavy traffic in San Francisco and there was a BMW M2 that had just, just come out. That was like the hero colour for BMW at the time. And I was just looking at the way the way it looked as we drove through buildings and when it was in full sun and when it, when it was in shadow and everything. And I was like, I reckon that'll look pretty cool. And so I went home and, you know, jump on the computer and play around with it a little bit. And I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> sent, sent the colour. It seems to change colour in a light, doesn't it? Like it's almost like a bit of a chameleon. It, it really colour. is. I have trouble photographing it um, the way that I see it. Like it comes out really blue in a lot of photos. I think there's a few photos Leon's taken of it where it's, you know, I think when you see it in real life, it's much more of a, a greeny blue. And a lot of the photos, um, even there's a magazine that it's just appeared in that comes out very blue. And it's certainly not the way I see it. I see it more, more it's got more green in it. So. No, def, cool. def, definitely a big flip in it when it was in the um, uh, exhibition buildings earlier this year for the hot rod show and you know it's got these overhead windows and you know as the sun would kind of come through yeah it's different every time you look at it it's different so mm. no that's that's a really cool feature and uh you know you, you you do see a lot of trucks that are painted in you know fairly standard colors and and i think that i mean that's not the only reason your truck stands out. I, I think that it's a very clean build. I mean, you know, you've, especially the bonnet, you know, you've got no emblems and no, you know, it's just that really clean finish. And I, I really like that. But, um, but certainly the, you know, if that was say red, it would just look 
uh, a little, it wouldn't stand out as much, I don't think. You know, like I think you've yeah. really, the time and effort that you spent on that color has really paid off for you. Yeah, I think, um, I think it, it certainly suits the suits the truck. I think the the em, the emblems were another one I sort of struggled with a little bit. I think they're really cool, the emblems. And I um, originally had a an idea. Um, I got the especially the Fender ones. I got them three D scanned. And and what I do for jobs like making you know three D CAD models and stuff. So I was going to make them a little smaller and a little you know slightly more modern and scale them down and you know, CNC machine them and actually put them on there and. Um, that was my original idea just to um because they are cool but they're also very dominant you know they're really huge and so it was only right at the last minute where um when uh when leon was working on it it then went to scotty bateman the guy who did all the final body work on it yeah he kind of i went and saw him one day and he's like what do you want me to do about these holes and so i sort of on the fly just went you fill them in you know And again, I think I'm glad I did it. You know, like I said, I, I really do like those emblems. Um, I think they're really cool. I think it was the right decision to leave them off as well. Yeah, I mean, you could always drill them out one day if you change your mind. I definitely could. Yeah, I think I'd probably do them like about two thirds of the size, though. If I, uh, you know, I wouldn't put the original ones back on. They'd be, they'd be close. I think, you know, I think they'd be such that somebody would look at them and you know first glance you'd go yeah, okay they're the standard ones but then when you look a bit closer they'd just be a you know you'd be able to see that they were custom but yeah a bit subtle yeah. so take us take us back to your dad how did he acquire this truck what what was the process for him and how long had he had it yeah so he um he got uh, cancer in about 2007, 2008. It was always like a mad garage sale swap meet guy. He had, I always joke, but it's not, it's actually a fact. He had a 14 square house and a 50 square shed with a mezzanine in it. And, you know, they just liked buying stuff, you know, and like I said, 13 cars and wouldn't believe how many sets of parts and, and everything for it, for every car that he had. When he, when he started to get sicker and less mobile, my sister set him up on eBay wasn't very computer literate, but sort of showed him how to use it and everything like that. And so he started off buying stuff that he could get sent to the house. You know, he'd buying coins and stamps and magazines and, you know, service manuals and stuff like that that he could easily get sent. And um, was a bit of an addict, really. Like he would sit there, like I said, he was pretty immobile. So he'd sit there six or eight hours a day just, you know, just looking at stuff on eBay and, you know, have this massive watch list where he'd go in every day and see what things went for. And, and I went around, I used to go, because he was sick, I'd go around there nearly every day. And, um, yeah, I just went around there one day and he was, had this big grin on his face and I was like, what? And he goes, you won't believe what I just did. And and, and so I go over to his computer and he shows me this, this truck that he's bought sight unseen from Bakersfield, California. And um, yeah, right. so what are you going to do with it? How are you going to get it here? And he goes, I've got no idea, but I'll figure it out, you know. And so um, so he, had a, he had a friend of his, um, uh, I think it was JT American Imports in Thomastown. They um, do a lot of importing of engines and stuff, was a friend of my dad's back from the wrecking days. And so he brought the truck over for him and um, he had sat in his shed for a while. And um, of all the cars he had, that was the one that he was the most excited about. Like every time I'd go around there, he'd be like leaning on the, you know, uh, under the hood sort of thing, talking about what he was going to do with it. You know, 
having a beer just sort of and he's in some ways he'd kind of forgotten about all the other cars so what i tell people is um and it's, it's a fact is that in the last year and a half of his life this is the thing we talked about the most you know like this is uh, every every time we go around there it would be like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that you know and yeah and so when when he did pass it was like you know definitely the one that i wanted to keep out of out of everything else and to be honest it's also the one that is most suited to my taste as well you know like the, the big convertibles and stuff were cool but you know not not as close to my taste as what the truck was so um yeah um, he his plans for it were definitely very different to to the way that i ended up doing it but yeah that, that was kind of the idea of it was that it was you know the thing we've talked about the most and also the thing he wanted to do but in reality never you know never even started it yeah cool so take us through take us through the build i mean you, you get hold of leon finally and and you sort of have a bit of a chat and it's it's going to be a pretty straightforward build so it was all original when when you got it from your dad it, it was all originals we ate um four, four, um four manual stick shift you know and so um leaf spring front suspension so i i actually got it going uh you know, where my dad lived, a mate of his was a mechanic just up the road, and I said to him, "Can you just get it going so I can drive it around?" It's the worst thing I've ever driven in my life. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> you know, you need to be a weightlifter to, to to turn it and stuff. So it never really got driven except you know to move it around and stuff like that. And then um, I moved it from my dad's place down to my holiday house. Like I said, I had a big shed there and uh, started to strip it down and. Um, yeah, a lot of the stuff was off it when I took it to Leon's. Originally, we were going to start with just the chassis. Um, and then um, over time, I'd just sort of take panels in and you know, things like the fenders and the back corners of the cab were patch panels because they were pretty badly rusted. And it just kind of evolved from there. It was like, you know, Leon would contact me and go, you know, what, what do you want to do here? And yeah, and we just we just kept adding to it, you know. It was like decided on the Jag front end and then had trouble getting a... A left-hand drive rack so then we're like okay well we'll just convert it it's easier you know and then yeah and so it just kind of went from there and um you know certainly the reason it took a long time is partly because i changed my mind a few times so <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh, it's especially when you you know as you say it, it just morphed as a build as you went along so that a lot of guys start off with a rendering and they've got a 100 percent idea of what it's going to look like when it's finished and it, it sounds like you i don't know whether it was a case that you didn't realize how good it could be or, or whether you'd planned to do it that way but it just slowly you know as leon had the vision it, it just morphed uh, yeah i think so i think it, it the vision it was for sure um I, honestly not not quite there i think if i had have started at the beginning and gone i'm going to turn this really really rough truck into something that you know is going to go to the hot rod show this year and win an award and and yeah and i'm going to spend you know the amount that i spent on it at the beginning i would have said well no not, you know i'm not going to do that you know i'm not going to go that far with it that would be silly you know and um yeah and so i never i never sort of up front went okay yeah this is how much i'm going to spend and this is how good it's going to be it was more towards the end um and like i said change in life circumstances as well where i went well okay you know especially I, I guess i had some some not so good things happening in my life at one stage and so this was sort of something that um you know made me feel good to go a bit further with it and you know it was more acceptable for me to spend money on that you know because i didn't wasn't wasn't perhaps spending it on houses and stuff but bit of therapy yeah yeah it's definitely a bit like that so. 
So, so it's got Jag front end. Um, with and so you've done a full right hand drive conversion on it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I think a few people I've talked to have told me uh, that it's not so hard to get a, a left hand drive rack. But um, the only one I could find was in Germany. It was, uh, and it was going to be, from memory, it was going to be fifteen hundred bucks to two thousand bucks or whatever to to buy the rack and get it sent over and you know get it you know reconditioned and stuff like that. And so um. You just had the conversation with Leon. Leon was like, "Well, I think it's it's a relatively straightforward dash, you know, that just you know cut a section out of it. The firewall we we replaced anyway, and so it was like, yeah, okay, well, makes sense to do it. And and I think from memory, Leon did it pretty quick. Yeah, I, I don't, it was a long time ago. I don't exactly remember, but I um again, I think the right thing to do because um at the time I hadn't driven this truck on the road, and so um I guess if you've got one, you kind of realised that you're sort of sitting in from the door quite a bit. And so I think, you know, um, overtaking is is not as good as a regular car anyway. And so I think, yeah, doing it from the left-hand side would have been uh, would have been harder. So I'm glad I did it. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you, you know, you upgraded the engine and all that sort of stuff as well. So it's it's really – you got all that stuff out at the time. It's not that difficult to do, whereas I think if you've – got a left-hand drive truck and the engine's all sweet and everything's good to then do the conversions a lot more work you know like if you if you're stripping it back to a bare chassis then you know it's it's just one of those things so what what is it airbag it is yeah so it sits super low <laughs> like on the yeah. ground low, <laughs> uh, like most yeah. of the stuff leon does but um yeah so it, yeah it's got the accuair level system yeah so um actually haven't tried it but just recently got an alarm put in it so i understand can lift it up and down with my phone now as well so that's that's don't know why i needed to do that but yeah and yeah it has just has the, the three settings so one one being super low two being the right height and three being higher for you know going up driveways and stuff but yeah yeah and it's just got a kind of fall in career and um yeah. i think we had maddie um dietrich on the podcast not long ago from Geelong Differential so he sorted you out with all that he did yeah so I mean I think I think that's the other thing that was really helpful with what Leon did is that he connected me with such such good people to work on it you know like I had you know Matt did an awesome job and the interior trim you know Chris was was another recommendation of Leon's and so yeah, all, all those guys that was just a it was just really a really a great experience you know like a really great group of pe- people you know, all, all, I'd say seemed as passionate about as, about my truck as what I did. So, you know, and that was, uh, you know, that was good to see. And, you know, so it certainly put a lot of trust in them and, you know, they delivered. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I've actually heard, and I don't know this as an official fact, but on the grapevine, I've heard that AccuAir have been acquired and are, um, are going to be, I suppose, re reopened as a company whether i don't know in what way but that's probably big news for all the guys out there with uh aquair airbag systems and uh the e-level especially because i know you know it got to a stage where there were just no parts available so if you had any issues with any of your your gear everyone was a bit oh, what are we going to do but i think that uh i don't know it as a fact but um yeah i've heard on the grapevine that, that that might be coming back well that's good yeah i mean i was really surprised when i heard that they'd gone under because i mean they seem to have the market completely cornered and um you know it's uh seems like it should be a successful business so um yeah that'd be really good if they did come back but 
Yeah. Yeah, my understanding, well, I mean, they, they, they sunk a lot of money into trying to do that CVT, you know, with a compressor in the tank and, yeah. and then they had a few teething problems with it, which didn't help them. But I guess when COVID first hit, it, it sort of really crushed them. Um, but uh, no, they fantastic products, obviously. And um, yeah. But uh, I mean, there's, there's quite a few other options out there as well. I mean, uh, three or four other companies doing pretty similar stuff. But I, I think uh, from what I know, and I don't have an airbag truck, so I'm not talking directly from experience, but from everything I've seen, their, um, their E-level system is, is probably the best. Yeah, I'm certainly, certainly happy with it. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I've had, I had, had to recalibrate it a couple of times when I lost power and stuff, but it's, um, other than that, I've had no issues with it at all. Um, so what, what seats and stuff, what have you done with the interior? Was that the original seat reupholstered or you done a bit of, uh, custom trickery in there? And yeah. I mean, the original, when I got it from my dad, my dad had bought a HJ Holden one tonner and his plan was to put that chassis under it. He had the bench seat that was out of that sitting in the truck. And so it had the, the step up headrest. So I kind of hated the. The seat. So I ended up buying, I don't remember the brand of it, but I remember buying it from the US. It's a brand new frame, brand new pads. And, and then, um, yeah, so the, the, the frame and the foam went to KJF custom trim in, down in Geelong. So Chris um, took care of all of that. Yeah, so the seat's effectively brand new. Uh, all the door cards are custom. Um, the headliner's custom with the tuck and roll, the same as the seat. And then, yeah, lots of little stuff like the uh, the carpet's all custom because it's got, you know, it's got a much bigger tunnel than what it had as standard from the from the six-speed auto and stuff. Yeah, so the interior is pretty, um, pretty subdued, I'd say. And I sort of, um, yeah, ummed and art, particularly the door trims, I ummed and art about leaving the metal versus full, you know, fully covered versus what I ended up with, which was the sort of bottom two thirds covered. And the reason I did that was just the, um, it just seemed like logical that the lower part of it was all, was all black. So the seat or the carpet and all a bit under the dash was all, was all kind of black. And then the dash has painted a satin version of the exterior color. And then, so yeah, then the top panel and the doors exposed as well, because the doors are really nice. The, all of the pressed metal features in them and stuff like that. So I, I spent a lot of time umming and ahhing about whether I was going to uh, you know, fully expose the metal or fully cover it and, and went in between. So Yeah, it sounds like – so did you just do that visually or, or did you just jump on the computer and, and do some CAD stuff? Because it, it sounds like you've got a, a unique ability to sort of test all that stuff out. Yeah, I didn't do any CAD stuff for the interior. I did it more kind of on the fly with, with Chris and um, – you know, I think once the um, once the truck was painted and, like I said, I could see the, the satin part of it across the top. I think Chris might have made some suggestions at the time as well. Yeah, it was just to have the black lower and the body colour upper. So all of the all of the inside of the roofs all painted the satin body colour as well. And it's just, the, you know, the kind of like the halo headliner sort of thing up up above. Yeah, so I think I think, again, like the like I said about the emblems, I think it's the right way to go. Feel like i'm happy with the way it's turned out i haven't got armrests on it or interior handles yet so that's probably something i have to think about just pulling the door shut you know is is uh <laughs> just little things like that it's not a big deal but it's something i'll address one day and when i bought the um when i bought a lot of parts for it i bought some uh some armrests from the us and um you just didn't like them when i saw them they looked kind of a bit plasticky and yeah so in the end just left them off but um that was, a, that was another, I guess, 
funny story about my truck is that um because I was um I was working in the US at the time. My girlfriend was in the US, but my kids were back in Melbourne. I, I went back and forth to the US about thirty five times over over a five year period, and quite often I um would go over with one suitcase and come back with two or three. <laughs> yeah, and so I remember that because of the armrests, but I remember bringing back, you know, a, a cover for the car and then lots of lots of trim pieces and door handles and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, just bringing them back, you know, in, <laughs> go over there, buy, buy a carry bag and, you know, pack it all up and, like I said, go over with one suitcase and come back with three. Yeah, well, you would have saved yourself probably a couple of thousand bucks in, in shipping because uh, it's definitely not cheap to get the stuff from over there. And, and the advantage to being in the States, I suppose, too, is that you just you just go and get the stuff you want and actually, you know, potentially physically see it rather than... I know a lot of guys will buy stuff online and then, you know, they wait three months or two months or whatever and it finally gets here and it's not quite what they're after. It doesn't fit and it's a frustrating process. Yeah, I think it's definitely true. I think I ended up, towards the end of the build, I ended up finding... Um, classic pickup supplies up in the Sunshine um, Coast, and um, and they're really good. I think I kind of wish I had found them earlier, especially a lot of the smaller stuff. They uh, they helped out a lot, but uh, yeah, early on, like you say, the shipping <laughs> the shipping can be a bit of a killer. Really, it's like uh, I remember towards the end of the build buying buying a radiator, and um, I don't remember the exact exact prices, but I think the shipping the radiator was was like two thirds of the cost of you know, of the radiator sort of thing, you know. So if it cost me a thousand or whatever for the radiator, it cost me, you know, nearly seven hundred to get it shipped or something. So Yeah, yeah, it gets out of hand pretty quick. Yeah. Now, what have you what have you got in the way of gauges and things? Have you have you got like any di- digital setup? Yeah, so it's got the Dakota digital, it's half half digital, half analog. So it's got like the um it's funny, I bought that early on in the process. It's got like the almost slightly like a carbon fiber backing on it but it's got the red detailing in it and that was supposed to go with your rims you know the red wheels yeah and then i had a ls2 hsv engine covers which is kind of red down the middle and black on the side so it was supposed to be all kind of black with all these red trims and yeah, i'd ordered this dakota dash you know probably in the first year that i was building it sort of thing kilometer an hour so it takes you know it takes a while to, to build and then I was worried when we were putting it all together that the red detailing would look out of place. But, I, you know, once we put it in there, it's like it still looks good. So, mm. Yeah, cool. And is that is that something that you might suggest for guys who are listening that are building at the moment is hold off a little bit on buying stuff you don't need yet and, and just wait or you don't think it's a big deal? Um, yeah, I think if I if I was telling giving someone advice, I'd, I'd be selective about what you buy. So buy the foundational kind of stuff and yeah and the trim stuff and the decorative stuff I'd, I'd hold off on that till till much later but it's it's still hard to say because i mean i bought uh wheels and tires and those wheels and tires sat on you know sat on the truck for for four years throughout the build sort of thing and then i decided i didn't want to use them so you know so someone someone got a good deal buying buying them off me you know because because they were never used Back then, I couldn't possibly have really, uh, you know, I couldn't have guessed how differently I would have changed. You know, I went from 15-inch smoothies with with white walls and relatively high-profile tyres to 20-inch you know, custom steel wheels with, you know, really low-profile, not white walls. Yeah, I couldn't have been more different in the end. 
Yeah, yeah, that's something that I um I I got advised on pretty early with my truck. I I got twenty two inch uh, Alcoa rims uh, on my truck, and I went into my local sort of tire center just to try and you know buy some new tires to put it on there so I can start doing all my mock up and build my bed and. And the guy was really good at the tire shop. I mean, he could have easily just taken, you know, that's six 22-inch low-profile tires. That's quite a few dollars. And, you know, he could have easily just put that money in his bank and sold me the tires. But he said to me, he goes, look, how long until this thing's going to be on the road? And I said, I don't know yet, like a year or two. He said, well, don't put new tires on there because they're just going to, you know, after three years, uh, you know, a road tire is pretty much out of date. So he said... You know, let me look around. I'll find you some second-hand ones. You know, if you only need them for mock-up and you're not going to drive them on the road, so that's what I've ended up doing. And yeah, and I, I appreciated that advice because yeah, exactly like you say, you you had them sitting there for four years and then you sold them and never used them. So yeah, and I think um, I think it also depends on how how much you're going to do new as well. Because I mean, I I mentioned earlier, my dad would have done it very differently. I I think he would have gone out of his way not to buy anything new. You know, like yeah. he would have um. I think he bought like like a window regulator for one side and stuff like that. And but it, but you know mostly he would have lived with with what he had sort of thing. And um, so in the end, I um you know interior door handles and you know dash tr- chrome trim and you know even the grill and bumpers and stuff like that. I ended up buying new just because because it kind of. Well, I mean, I couldn't put old handles on, and then a lot of that stuff, things like the grill, it's not, it's probably not worth fixing the one that's on there, just because you know the amount of work that would go into it, and chrome plating in Australia is super expensive. So yeah, that, that sort of thing. I um, so yeah, there's, I think all of the, all of the body work, all of the body work, the rear guards, are all original, but the um, the bed is replaced and then there like i said a lot of the trim works replaced so it's originally a long long bed so it's originally originally the eight foot bed pretty bad condition so i uh i um bought a new bed for it but bought the six foot so the short it's a short bed and then when leon was uh doing all of the notching of the chassis and everything it's been uh been shortened a little bit as well so and i've i've actually kept I've actually kept the original tailgate um you know, with all of the original paint and patina and everything like that. And um, um, up until recently when I moved house, it was on the wall of my office. So just a kind of a memory of, of how it originally turned out. And I um, I, I, I was going to make get it built into a like a park bench kind of thing where the tailgate was like the back of it. Going to get a guy down in Melbourne who's uh, also got a got a truck. I was going to get him to build it for me, but uh, it ended up moving out of Melbourne. So um something something i'll do one day yeah and that was a question i i was going to ask you and i know our listeners probably get sick and tired of me banging on about patina because I'm, I'm a bit of an original patina guy but you know w- w- was that original paint on that truck when you got it? it it was yeah and i think um i think that's how my dad would have done it he would have left it original i think it was a discussion i had with leon early on but because of the the amount of rust in some areas the like i said the whole corners of the, yeah it was like we have a lot of patch panels in there and then would have had to try and recreate it. I like original patina, but I don't so much always like the recreated ones, you know. Like I think if it's done well, it looks really good, but I think when you can tell it's not real patina, I'm not really such a big fan of that look. And 
back then, I think Leon was like, well, there's so much work in doing that. But, you know, <laughs> like I said, when you factor in the, the whole bed was brand new, the corners of the cabs were brand new, bottoms of the fenders were brand new, and I think part of the door might have been, part of the lower part of one of the doors might have been brand new as well. Yeah, if you can get a perfectly dry Arizona truck with all the patina, which I don't think any of them exist anymore, I think they've all been bought and sold. But, yeah, like you say, the amount of work, you'd have to do you'd have to do just then a shit ton of fake patina to match it all in and and then you know we guarantee you would be on the cover of uh cruising magazine like you are right now if you've done that i don't think probably not and i think like you said it's pretty hard to find those kind of trucks now i think i think even in the time since my dad bought it the um the popularity and the value of them you know i i probably could have sold that truck 10 times be, before it was even before it even went to leon's and before it even went started you know because i was i was selling a lot of my dad's stuff and the amount of people that kind of came in and were like you know how much for that you know and mm. that was the thing i was i was holding on to and yeah it still still shocks me when i see the paperwork for how much he paid for it but uh <laughs> back here we were back in 2000 and late 2010 paid 1100 us dollars for it so. yeah yeah wow yeah uh, do that now Especially yeah. for Apache, yeah. No, you put another zero on it easily now. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So, um, so let's talk motivation. What what sends this thing down the road? It's got an LS in it. It has, yeah. So it came out of a um, originally was looking at an LS one. So obviously that's a pretty common conversion. I think one of Leon's mates had had an LS one in his truck, and um, I can't remember whether it was him or somebody I was talking to was like, you know, they should look at maybe an LS two because it's uh less k's and honestly i don't know that enough about it but um was sort of warned away from the four-speed auto that comes behind a lot of a lot of the ls ones and so um just started looking around and um i found a uh 2012 caprice at a wrecker in melbourne and um it had been uh, initially had been hail damaged and then it had been side swiped so basically quarter both doors and front guard so that had been written off yeah, it was in the wrecker. I got to hear it run, basically. So I bought uh, engine transmission, loom, pedals, you know, pedal loom, all of that sort of stuff, computer, all out of that. So I think it's uh, L76. So it's, as I understand it, an LS2 plus, you know, a little bit after an LS2, leader, six-speed auto. Haven't, haven't given the truck more than about half throttle, I don't think, and it's already a bit, it's already fast. So um. One of these days when I'm a bit more confident with it, I'll give it a bit more. But, um, yeah, it doesn't need any more power, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like you said, having having got the original engine running and, and driven it about a little bit, you, you truly would appreciate how it drives now. I mean, I imagine it just rails and feels like a fairly modern car when you drive it. Yeah, it's really beautiful to drive. I mean, I haven't I, – I, so I still haven't driven it very much. I'm a bit scared to drive it. I only kind of finished finished it towards the end of last year and then uh like i said in january i think it was australia day weekend i took it into the exhibition buildings the weekend after i drove it down to the queenscliff rod run Um, and that's probably the longest run that it's had you know back down to back down to leon's and um and up again sort of thing and i've driven it around melbourne a little bit but then COVID came and you know so i'm hoping uh hoping soon when i get it up to queensland which is where i moved to i'll get to drive it a lot more often 
But straight, straight yeah. down, I'm in far north Queensland now, so I'm sure as soon as it comes up here, it'll be the wet season and I'll, <laughs> it'll be another few months before I can drive it. But. Yeah, so so it's on Club Reg now. You're going to leave it like that? What? It's a bit harder up there in Queensland with the registration. Are you planning to full reg it or, or what's the I, plan? I haven't looked into that yet. I actually, I've just got uh, I've just got the Club Reg thing on my the Victorian uh, renewal and. Uh, yeah, exactly like you said, it is a little bit more difficult here and um, need to go through that process again. And hopefully, it's fully engineered, so hopefully I should have no problems. So, um, yeah, it's been, everything been signed off uh, all, all along the way. The last, literally the last episode podcast we did um, was a Queensland one and we were talking about the Club Rego scheme up there. And, and so they are a lot more restricted with what they can when they can drive the cars. So uh, it'd be interesting when you have a look at it to see see which way you swing. But it's uh, certainly nice. So what part of Queensland? Where are you? I'm a bit north of Cairns, so I'm really a long way up. So, um, yeah, it's interesting you say that. I, uh, it's something I have to look into more about the, the Club Reg. I think I, I didn't really even think that it would be an issue. I just assumed I'd kind of switch it over and it would work the same way. <laughs> No, we we seem to be one country, but we're all separate states, and this it's yeah, it's frustrating. It's like the engineering; it's the same thing. Where you know, one one state you can do something, and the other state you can't. And I really can't understand how we can't have a nationwide um, set of rules. You know, it's very frustrating. Yeah, well, I guess you see that with uh, COVID now as well, with border controls and stuff. We we definitely don't act like one country. No. So, um, so Rob, if if you if you look into crystal ball and just go back now to you know rolling it into um, Leon's shop for the first time, do you think you'd change anything? Do you think you'd do things differently, or or do you think that the end result you've got's awesome and and whatever the dollar value is, we don't want to know and you don't want to think about it, but it, it was all worth it and, and you'd do it the same. I, I think if I was starting from now, or if I was starting from ten years ago. I might have done it differently, you know, like just different financial priorities and that kind of thing. But um, I think in the time frame that I did it in, I wouldn't really change anything, I don't think. I think it, it's turned out, yeah, like I said, when I first rolled it into Leon's, my plans were much smaller, but so um, so was how much I intended to spend on it. And, um, <laughs> you know, and so that, that evolved along with everything else. And, and then I, I think I got to the point of, the point of no return in some ways where I was like, well, I've gone and, you know, got the paint, the body and paint that way, then it wouldn't make sense to shortcut the interior. And, you know, so I went a bit further on the interior than perhaps I would have, you know, because I, I remember even one of my earlier trips to the US buying like um, some of the like Mexican style blankets and stuff like that, you know, which was, I was just going to put that over the front seat and it's going to be pretty, uh, you know, pretty simple and crude inside. Definitely kind of felt like I got to the point of no return where I was like, well, this truck is a certain level now. I need to make everything that level. Yeah, it deserves to be finished properly. Yeah. Mm. No, you've definitely done that, mate. You've, it's it's really is a beautiful truck. And um, I said to Leon, I think it's it's probably one of the best pickup trucks I've seen in the country. And, and I think your dad would be super proud of what you've done with it. Yeah, I think he would have. It was... Um... Yeah, I mentioned I took it to the Hot Rod show. That was the show we used to always go to as a kid. Um, I haven't been for a long time. It's sort of, uh, you know, not not exactly the the show that, that that's got the sort of vehicles that I would have liked, but it seemed like appropriate to to take it there since that was my um 
the one we used to go to, and I think he would have been pretty happy to have uh, seen it win something there. And uh, I tell a lot of people he would have told me I spent too much on it, and uh, um, but he would have he would have still liked it a lot. He would have thought it was uh, pretty cool, and um, yeah, it's, it makes me think of him every time I do drive it. And uh, you know, he, he would have uh, yeah, definitely not the way he would have done it for sure. Like he, for one thing, he would never have finished it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um. Yeah, like I think, and everything would have been secondhand, and it would have been unreliable, and it would have been, um, yeah, much different truck to what it to what it is now. But um, yeah, he still would have been happy to see it, I'm sure. Yeah, no, awesome, mate. Well, appreciate you, you know, spending the time and in, in coming and chatting to us. Um, and if guys want to check out your truck, we'll post up some pictures. But you're uh, you're on Instagram. You're at robbeach72. Yep. And you know, I think. I think we should put the shout out to Big L's Chop Shop, um, to the Resurrection Factory for doing the paintwork, to KJF Customs that did the trim work for you, and uh, to Geelong Differentials. I know that uh, these builds don't happen on their own, especially at that that quality level. So uh, I think you've managed a great team together, and it's come out really well. Throw in Scotty Bateman as well. They did a lot of the body work as well. So um, yeah, they they've, they have done done an awesome job. And I think you can men- mention my Instagram, but uh, sh- shameless plug here. If you go to um, at three delineate, this is my company. So there's also a bit of a uh, bit more information on that about how I went through the sketching and the 3D modeling and all that sort of stuff. If people want an idea as to uh, how I came up with the ideas that I came up with. Yeah, awesome. And if, if someone else has got a truck that they maybe want you to have a play around with, is that something that you take on? Yeah, it's funny, actually. I've just sort of started doing that. I put an ad in the Cruising magazine that, um, you know, that my truck's in, and it's most of the stuff we do is, um, it's new, is new car stuff, mostly cars, but trains and trams and you know, they, other transportation. But um, custom car stuff's something I'm really passionate about, so it is interesting to see you know what applications there are in that field, and there is there is a couple of projects we're working on at the moment that are um you know scanning scanning an actual car, making you know computer model parts, three D printing or CNCing you know replacement parts, and basically they you know drop straight in without any hand finishing or anything like that. So it's an interesting application. It doesn't work for everything, but it's um yeah I think there is some some situations simplistically choosing colors and the more complex which is actually making parts yeah cool awesome all right well so if you're listening and you want to check out rob's truck check out his instagram check out his business uh keep an eye on the newsstands because his truck's going to be just popping out off the cover of cruising magazine and uh i look forward to hopefully seeing it in the flesh one day it's um it's getting further and further away from me but uh hopefully uh we'll get some truck shows happening and, and we can all get out and have a bit of fun again. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Thanks, nice, mate. Nice talking to you. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day. 
even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.